how was your Christmas day? I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. Everybody have a good Christmas day? Yeah? For us, it started around 8 a.m., which is considerably later than previous years, and just one of the reasons I like having big kids. Um, uh, so once I had my coffee in my hand, we began uh, the unwrapping of the stockings um, and the traditional Christmas breakfast. Everyone know what the traditional Christmas breakfast is? Chocolate, exactly, yes. Uh, the only day of the year you're allowed to start with chocolate and pretty much just carry on. Uh, the rule in our house is eat what you like, just don't make yourself sick. That's the kind of the rule on Christmas Day. Um, so then we, we walked to church and we enjoyed uh, worship along, worshipping alongside our church family on Jesus' birthday, a very special day. And then, like most of you, we made our way home. We began our preparations for the Christmas lunch. And spurred on by Terry's intercessions for the housewives, John did an amazing job of uh, cooking our Christmas lunch. Uh, we feasted on turkey uh, with all the trimmings. We pulled crackers, we wore hats, we told silly jokes, we opened more presents, we ate probably more food in a few hours than it's probably good to, to eat on a much longer period. Uh, to complete the scene, we had the roaring log fire newly installed, very lovely, and the twinkling fairy lights. No item on our Christmas to-do list was left unchecked. And so as we were sitting on the sofa, slightly lamenting the absence of um, Doctor Who, which kind of was the thing that was missing, really, on Christmas Day, we were full and we were happy. And uh, it was at that moment I remembered my nanny. So my mum is here today. Uh, and my nanny, who at this point, had she still been with us, would have blessed us with her traditional intervention at this point in the day, where she would say, doesn't feel like Christmas. However much we look forward to or anticipate an event, however wonderful it is in that moment, there's often a moment following, isn't there, when you think, was that it? Was that it? It's not exactly a feeling of disappointment, but that realisation that normal life continues all that effort, all that excitement, all that expectation, all that longing has resulted in a big pile of empty paper, mess to clear up, and then normal life carrying on. I planned this service a few weeks before Christmas, trying to get ahead, uh, and I was still busy planning and preparing and wrapping. Uh, and as I was reading the story of Anna and Simeon and thinking what was the message that they had to give us on this first Sunday after Christmas... I settled on the idea of, well, the waiting is over, what next? The waiting is over, what next? Retail analysts estimate that each UK consumer, I'm not quite sure about this, maybe people with more money than us, uh, each UK consumer spent over £2,000 in the run-up to Christmas. I don't really want to check my bank statement to see whether that's true of me. I'm fairly sure it's not. But another scary fact, this year, more than £1 billion was spent online on Christmas Day. 
and the peak time was just after lunch, and lunchtime early afternoon as people settled into the, was that it feeling, what I really need now is to buy some more stuff. With that much money at stake, it's no wonder that the expectation is extreme. And for many, the pressure of having to balance that high expectation with constrained resources or uh, difficult family relationships is just too much to bear. This morning, I was uh, hearing uh, that uh, relate to the marriage counselling. People say that the, the January is the peak time for people splitting up uh, and the busiest time for their services. I heard more than one person this Christmas express the desire to just get through Christmas or looking forward to getting back to normal. But should we be so quick to cast aside the fairy lights and get back to normal? Do we pack up the nativity set for another year and feel relieved that we've managed to get through another Christmas? Some people, I'm not sure I could be one of them, but some people, uh, have Christmas every day. Have you read about them? They're normally in the news at this time of year who open presents every day and keep their decorations up all year round and have daily turkey dinners, which I think would get a bit much. I don't think that's really the answer either. So the question is, the waiting is over, Christmas is done, what next? Simeon and Anna were people who knew how to wait. Simeon, a man in Jerusalem, we're told he was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the promised saviour. He was waiting for the one God's Messiah who would come and restore and make everything right again. We don't know much about Simeon, actually. We don't know what his day job was or what he would normally fill his days doing, but we know that he was waiting He was waiting on promises that God had made to his people to come and save them. And he was also waiting on a promise that God had spoken specifically to him, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And we also know that the Holy Spirit was on him. And so he waited. Anna's waiting had consumed her whole life. We are told that she was a prophet, the daughter of Phineal, the tribe of Asher. And we know that by the time we meet her in this story, she was very old. That's what Luke says. Now, the version that we read this morning said that she was 84, that she was a widow until she was 84. Another possible reading of this translation is that she had been widowed for 84 years. So you add on to that the seven years of her marriage and the age that she would have been when she got married, and we can agree with Luke that she was very old. We know that she worshipped in the temple day and night. And we know that as she waited, she fasted and she prayed. And she waited. Years of waiting, of anticipation, of excitement possibly years of growing weary or being disappointed. How many days had Simeon woken up thinking, I wonder if today is the day? Maybe some days he'd forgotten about the promise altogether. Maybe he was worried that he'd missed it. How many other babies had Anna gazed on in the temple, waiting to see the eyes of God look back at her? Many of you will know that feeling of waiting. You might have things that God has spoken to you about that you've carried with you that you're still waiting for. 
The waiting might have taken years, and you may know the anticipation, the excitement, or maybe the weariness and the disappointment in your waiting. But God is faithful, just as he was faithful to Anna and Simeon. He is faithful. Isaiah 40, 31 promises that God renews the strength of those who wait on him. On the day that Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple, Simeon was moved by the Spirit to make that journey and to go to the temple. And so he went. This tells us that in his waiting, he was so tuned into the Holy Spirit, but also that he was obedient. The years of waiting had not dulled his heart to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He was ready when the call came to be immediately obedient to the direction of the Holy Spirit. On the day that Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple, Anna was already there, as she was every day, worshipping, praying, waiting. Just going about her everyday life, she was nonetheless waiting for God to intervene, to break through with his salvation. She was obedient, she was open to the direction of the Holy Spirit, and she was not disappointed. I'm kind of imagining the scene a little bit. The Gospels are a little bit thin on all the kind of interesting detail, aren't they? But I'm imagining that the temple was probably quite busy because it was sort of the heart of the city life and people would come from miles around for various purposes. So I think it's unlikely that Mary and Joseph would have been the only people. It's not like wandering into a kind of an empty church on a weekday. I think it would have a bit more sense of bustle and busyness about it. So Mary and Joseph would have not been the only couple. I I expect Jesus wouldn't have been the only baby on that day. And yet, for Anna and for Simeon, it's clear to them, as they see Jesus, that he is the one that they had been waiting for. He was the fulfillment of all that they had hoped for. And he made all their waiting worthwhile. Simeon took the baby in his arms and praised God. And he declared, my eyes have seen the salvation of God. Anna gave thanks to God and spoke about the child, we're told, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. For Simeon and for Anna, their waiting was over. They'd received the fulfillment of all that they had hoped for. But then Joseph and Mary took Jesus away from the temple. So what was next for them? What do you do the day after you've held the creator of the universe in your arms? Simeon declared to the Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Simeon felt that his life's waiting was done. He literally felt he could die in peace because everything that he waited for, he'd met right there in the person of Jesus. Kind of a tricky lesson for us, isn't it? Very few of us get to take a shortcut to heaven at the instant that we meet Jesus. For most of us, there's a very real question about what do we do for the rest of our lives once we've met our saviour? And the difficult answer is that most of that is more waiting. Waiting either for Jesus to return or to join him in glory. The example of obedience, faithfulness, and spirit-filled nature of the waiting of Anna and Simeon can encourage us in our continued waiting. But also I think that change that occurred in them can inspire us. Simeon is ready to face death. 
And although I've heard of many deathbed conversions, this isn't the normal Christian life, is it? Many of us, thankfully, have years to enjoy knowing Jesus here on this earth. But that readiness to hold this life lightly and to live in the liberty that that brings can be a real example to us. As many of you know, I've I've recently had uh, occasion to come face to face with death. Uh, And I was relieved to find, and I report to you uh, by way of encouragement, that although I was very unsure about a lot of the medical interventions that resulted, actually the prospect of facing death in itself wasn't actually that scary. Oh, I didn't find it scary anyway. Because when we know Jesus, when we have seen him face to face, we can live in the liberty of being ready to meet him in glory. And there is such a freedom in this. And it's really been something I've been thinking about in the last uh, month or so, that this liberty gives us a marked difference for the kind of fear that racks so many people in our society. When they say, what's different about you? It's the liberty, isn't it? It's the freedom from fear. And that line, death, where is thy sting? So Simeon shows us that we can live, we can live in liberty. And I would encourage any of you uh, this morning that are feeling that maybe you are living with fear of any kind. Our prayer team are here. They'll be available. Uh, Do talk to somebody. Do pray with them after the service. Because God's heart for us is that we are free from fear. So for Anna, her reaction, she didn't kind of want to end it all right there, did she? Anna was to share the joy of the revelation that she had enjoyed I love to imagine this beautiful, faithful old lady dancing around the temple, pointing everybody to the baby Jesus. She'd waited so long for this opportunity, and she didn't want anyone else to miss it. In the reaction of Simeon and Anna, we see that meeting Jesus, even when it is the fulfillment of a personal promise, is not something to be kept to yourself. Simeon recognizes Jesus doesn't just bring salvation to him, but to Israel and to all the nations. So here is the clue uh, about what happens the day after they met him. Here's a clue for us about what we do now the waiting is over. We live in liberty, free from fear. We live to tell others about Jesus that we've met. And we live to tell them about the salvation plan that he has for everyone. As the story in Luke goes on, we hear that Jesus' parents returned to the temple every year. Maybe Anna was there for some of those return visits, watching Jesus go and praising, grow and praising God all the way. So we too live waiting, expectantly like Anna, praising, worshipping, fasting, waiting for Jesus to return. And like Simeon, we live waiting, filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to be obedient to God's call in our lives, confident that as long as we live here on earth, he has a plan and a purpose for us that he's not yet fulfilled and ready to meet him without fear in the life to come. Let us pray. Loving Christ, we confess we do not always see you. We make preparations. We come week by week into this place, but although you are longing to meet us, sometimes we let our hearts grow cold and our faith grow stale. We know you need you, but we don't know how much we need you. So today we want to turn away from empty phrases and worn out platitudes. We don't want to forget you for another year as we pack away our Christmas decorations. For we know in our heart that we need you to sustain our very life. 
And we need your salvation, your redemption, and your healing in our lives from all the times we've gone astray and all the occasions we've been hurt. We need you to fulfill our every longing, for without you we cannot be complete. Help us live in your full embrace so we can fully share your grace and healing and love with those who were hurt. Forgive us when we have closed off our hearts instead of allowing them to break. Forgive us when we say nothing in order to avoid saying the wrong thing. Forgive us when we've been too afraid of being looked down upon instead of sharing the story of our faith. Guide us with the wisdom of Anna and Simeon who waited so faithfully. Like Simeon, would you make yourself so powerfully known to us that we are released from all fear and can live in liberty to praise you. Fill us like those two precious servants of yours with your Holy Spirit and make us obedient to your calling on our lives. Make us extravagant in our praise and bold in our mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.